Welcome to The How of Business with Henry Lopez and David Begin, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez. And before we get started, I'd like to say thank you to one of our listeners, David in Philadelphia. David, thanks for being a listener of The How of Business. Today, I'm excited to have Nicole Holland with us. Nicole, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here, Henry. I'm excited to have you. Let me (laughs) share a little bit about Nicole, and then we'll get right into the conversation. Nicole is recognized internationally as an authority on podcast guesting, but there's a lot more that she has to share about online marketing. Nicole Holland is also known as a catalyst who generates creative out-of-the-box solutions for her clients, colleagues, and friends. She's been named in the Huffington Post as one of 50 must-follow women entrepreneurs in 2017. Uh, She's rated in New and Noteworthy. She's been on there for like two plus years in iTunes, that is, for her podcast. And featured in trending publications such as Forbes, Entrepreneur Magazine, and the Huffington Post. Nicole regularly shares her expertise on podcasts like ours today through virtual summits, and courses and from stages across North America as a speaker. Using her high-touch, client-centric service delivery model, Nicole helps leading-edge thought leaders, authors, and entrepreneurs like us uh, to strategically increase visibility, likability, and credibility in a way that works uniquely well for each of us. Uh, Nicole lives in Ontario, Canada. The The accent will slip in there a little bit. I've noted already. And um, we're going to touch on, not touch on, we're going to talk about rather her career, her journey, how she got to where she is today. Very interested and fascinating background that I think we can all take away from. And then we'll dive into this concept of online messaging for small business owners and solopreneurs. She's been able to achieve a tremendous amount online in a relatively short period of time, which is fascinating. So once again, Nicole Holland, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. That was such a wonderful introduction. Thanks. So what part of Ontario? I'm in Southern Ontario. So the closest place most people know um, that aren't from here is Buffalo, New York. So I can see Buffalo from the end of my block. I just can't get there because there's a lake in in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) There's water in between. That's fantastic. I spent uh, I spent about six months on a project in Mississauga, obviously oh, okay. right next to the right next to Toronto by the airport, <sighs> when I worked for Mary Kay Cosmetics. Their distribution plant is there for Canada. Uh, loved spending time up in that area. Yeah, love love Canada. That's great. Uh, well, um, so let's get started uh, in the early days, and we'll briefly kind of walk through chronologically to today, if we could. Uh, early career. What, tell me about that. As I was doing the research, I didn't find too much there until you get to the point where you're a corrections officer. But before that, what were you doing for for a living? I was a ghost. <laughs> no, I I had a very <laughs> I had a very um, varied uh, life, and I. I dropped out of high school, actually. It's funny because I just listened to your most recent episode uh, where you and your guest, I can't remember his name at the moment, referable um, 
Yeah. yeah. So Ooh, his name escapes him as well, had, where he did not finish college. Yeah. And, I mentioned that. and you guys were talking about yeah. that. And I mean, I, I could really mm-hmm. relate because I dropped out of high school at the beginning of grade 11. Um, I was living, I was emancipated. I was living an adult life, working full time and trying to get by and going to a pretty, uh, pretty dangerous high school um, mm-hmm. outside of Washington, D.C. And I just decided, no, let, like, I don't want to do this. So um, early on, I guess I, after after that, um, I worked in professional sports marketing. I worked as a bartender and a waitress. I worked in retail. I worked in insurance. I just, I didn't really have an idea of what specifically I wanted to do. I mean, when I was younger, I wanted to be an actress. That's what I wanted to do. Mm. And then like reality of life happens and you got to pay bills. And and so I, I let go of that. And really for many, many years in my young adult life, I was trying to survive. I was trying to get by. And so I wasn't really focused. Um, and, you know, I was very, very blessed to have had an amazing mentor who helped me get my foot in um, with Washington Sports Entertainment. So that was a dream come true. At the time, I thought, oh, uh, sports marketing and sports, um, the like the game day events and community relations, stuff like that. When I, would ha- when I was younger, when I was a kid, um, I had worked at a gym. We opened, I, I was part of opening up um, a health center, a fitness center that was state-of-the-art at the time. And one of the departments we did um we did leagues so basketball leagues volleyball leagues stuff like that and my mentor there steve mendelson really took me under his wing and he would take me to all of the big events and things and have me in the room meeting the executives and so whenever we did an event with the washington bullets i got to be there right and then i would get like a press pass and i got to sit right behind the bench and like you know right behind mark allery and rex chapman and all this stuff so i was really really enthralled with um, professional sports and entertainment. And I learned about marketing. And so that was really a first love. Um, but I didn't pursue it outside of I worked for the for the Caps and Bullets for a little while. And then um, life continued to go on. So I bebopped around. Um, and the majority of, of my career, I guess you would say, was I was working with youth and families in crisis in, in multiple different ways from working um, in a in a more of a fun let's get out of the reality of life like for um, pediatric oncology patients so um, I would work with with kids like at camp and stuff like that and then um, in sports and eventually um, I wound up working with adjudicated male youth and doing positive peer culture work and things like this so it just progressively um, I went back and forth. I had a life coaching practice for a while. I was a massage therapist for a while. Like I, I just didn't have my my thing for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you were searching. There's no Thir- doubt. Well, and you know what it was? I don't even know if if it was searching per se. It was I would get bored, so I would do some things. Mm. I think, oh, this would be really fun. This would be really enjoyable to do. I think, and then I would do it, and sometimes it was, and so I'd keep doing it, and sometimes it wasn't, and I'd go, well, this is not for me. Let's try something else. When sometimes, you know, I had a corporate training firm for a while. I lived in Germany, and I, I built up quite a great business over there in my early twenties, and I loved it. 
Um, but the time came when the economy was really was really hurting with the introduction of the euro. And as I had as I was doing corporate training, it wasn't a necessary expense. So a lot of the big companies were really feeling the burn. They were, you know, they were letting people go. And so while I could have stayed and continued, I made the decision, you know what, this isn't fun to have to work so hard for this. And uh, maybe that was my naivety. But um, I just said, no, I'm going to give my trainers that I have the the rest of the contracts and I'm going to go to paradise. And I decided to go to California and live at the beach and get a mindless job bartending because I just wanted a break. So I've really gone with the flow, you know, for the first, Mm -hmm. I don't know, probably 30 years of my life. And then um, I was fostering and doing more crisis support stuff. And then I got deeper into uh, correctional services before I said, no, 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 I want to work with happy people. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. All right. So you have very effectively summarized a heck of a lot of things. But one thing that I couldn't stop thinking about there is certainly you were describing someone who either is always looking for the next challenge or gets distracted and now has to jump to the next thing. I suffer from some of that. I call it shiny mm-hmm. object syndrome. I'm curious as to, I will jump forward for a minute. How do you, is that still a challenge for you today where you get antsy to want to jump to something else? No. Um, and, and actually I don't feel like I was, it, it was, it's hard to explain. It was really like, you know, coming from the background I came from, it was survival. It wasn't about, mm-hmm. um, Oh, what's the next thing I want to try? It was like, how I do I keep a roof over my head and not wind up on the street again? How do I stop yeah. from having to eat ramen noodles as my only meal? How do I make a life that, you know, that there's no fighting in? I don't want to fight. I don't want to hear fighting. I don't want to be a part of that. So it was, that's really what it, it's always been. It's when I, when I have felt drained when I was younger and I would feel drained, I'd go, well, this is not fun anymore and I don't want to do it. Um, but it wasn't necessarily that like it's never been something where something comes along and I'm like, ooh, that's a good idea. Let me go hop on that. It it's more of um internally how am I feeling? And I lost that that gauge for a long time. Um, as I was in corrections, um I I kind of I don't know how to describe it, but I just lost a lot of who I am. And it wasn't until things got really bad and then I I went one day like, wait a minute, uh I don't want to do this anymore. I know that I can do other things, but I've been convinced somehow, I've convinced myself somehow that this is all I can do in life. And I was like, let me snap out of this. So that was the only time I really had forgotten, I suppose, that I can make my own reality. Um, So prior to that, it was always, what do I want to do? And, you know, Definitely, um, there were you know a couple situations where uh, romantic feelings were involved with moves, um, but but otherwise, I don't I don't suffer. So I understand shiny object. Definitely, a lot of the people I work with have that, and so one of my gifts is to really help them stay focused and say, "Wait a minute, what are we yeah. going to accomplish? What are the results we want to get?" Okay, yes, there's all these different ways to do that which one do we want to stay with for now until we accomplish these goals and then we start or making make it easy and then we start implementing more stuff and we bring more things but first one thing for focusing on yeah makes sense 
Okay, so d- tell us the story I've heard you share uh, as I was doing the research briefly on that that wall that you hit when <laughs> you were a corrections officer and the goal you set for yourself. And just tell us about that because I think that's fascinating. Oh, well, I'm glad. I'm glad people are benefiting from the story because I can <laughs> tell you it was not enjoyable. And not fascinating not, for you. You know, it's it's disappointing to me. I have high standards for myself and. I didn't realize how far off my path I was getting. So um, as I said before, I spent the majority of my working life working with youth and families in crisis, or not always in crisis, but um, challenging youth, let's say. And I've always seen, you know, because I came from a home environment that was unhealthy, but I never went in the direction that I think a lot of kids go down and acting out. I wanted just to get out of it. I wanted to fix the situation for myself. Um, And so I get the angry kid. And I always would say, you know, I don't believe in a lost cause as long as there's a spark. If they're acting out and they're angry and they're doing bad stuff, it means there's hope. And so I loved working with challenging kids to really understand what their desires were and help them use their manipulative abilities for good and not evil. And Mm. so with that, um, I wound up actually living in Mississauga. Um, I came out to Ontario because there was this uh, new, quote, state-of-the-art facility for youth that was uh, looking to implement a lot of the best practices that I had been taught in the States in the programs that I worked with. And my boss had told me about this. Um, I was doing crisis support out west and i my grandparents were quite sick my grandfather had a stroke and and they were in maryland so i needed to be closer so it was just a kind of a bunch of personal things going on and i made that decision to move to ontario to go for this job which i did and i wound up as a um a youth services officer so a correctional officer in a youth facility Um, And what I found once I was here was that it was not what I expected and that I wasn't seeing the opportunity to help and that I had to really look at things and see things and experience things every day that I felt were detrimental to society, definitely to the kids that were there. And And it was like hitting my head against a brick wall, that there was absolutely nothing I could do to help the situation. And the opportunity was presented to go into the adult system. And I had never wanted to work with adults because it's not about Mm. corrections for me. It's about rehabilitation for me. And that's why I worked with the kids. And I I had a very wise person say to me, listen, Nicole, like, because I was stuck. That's how I felt, right? I forgot. Wait a minute. All my life, I've created my own reality and I can keep doing that. I had forgotten that for a minute because I was so... I was so stuck and conditioned to the the norms of the governments um, that I was working with and the the departments that I was working with, and so I I was told, listen, you you're emotionally drained going in there. You don't want to go in there because of what's happening, and you can't fix the situation. And there's all this stuff that you're seeing that you don't believe is good. So go to adult, you know, you've put your time into the government, you went through the training, you've got this secure, stable job, just transfer to adult. And so when that opportunity came up, I did. And um, 
at first everything was fine. And then I transferred to a, of a different facility where things weren't fine. And I didn't believe that the kind of things that were happening inside were happening. And it was just killing me. It was like literally killing me. And um, I was getting sicker and sicker and sicker, but nobody could figure out why. Um, at the end of the day, after I left, you know, I've been treated for, I've been on, on meds for lupus for a few years now, and that's great. And it's been helping me get back to being healthy, but I was just broken physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually broken when I was inside. And it was, um, New Year's Eve. I think this is what you're, you're speaking of about this turn. Yes. It was New Year's Eve and I want to get the year right. I think it was the night of 20, December 31st, 2013, going into the morning of, um, January 1st, 2014, I was working an overnight shift in a unit called upper segregation where there were a lot of behaviors and, um, guys get put up there, um, when they can't, um, get along with the general population, um, and they do some bad stuff. And this night was like a nightmare. It was really bad. Um, and about 3am, I was just sitting there and realizing like, this is not something I'm willing to do anymore. Like, I will not be here for the another for another turn of the year, I will figure out what to do. I don't know what it's going to be, but I will not be working here. And so in 2014, I desperately looked for any out, right? I wound up getting my real estate license. I was, you know, buying properties, fixing them up, trying to think, okay, can I rent these out? Like I was looking for any out that I could do. And um, none of it really fit. None of it felt good. It was just like, it wasn't inspired. And so I went through the motions and then, of course, just settled back into normal life. And the the um, schedule came out for the holidays, for mm. the holiday season of 2014 and into um, the first days of 2015. And I was standing, I was walking and I was like in the medium hallway and I was like, what the heck am I doing? Right there, like the, the environment around, it was like just going nuts and I'm going... I promised myself that I wouldn't be here for another year and that year just disappeared and I have no savings. I have no plans. I was super, super sick at that point. So, um, and I was also not a full-time employee. They have this thing called a, um, a casual or, you know, so they don't have to pay benefits. They don't have to give, um, guaranteed hours or anything like that. So I wound up in there in that situation. And I'm like, I have no money. I have like no savings. You know, I have no plans. I have no nothing. And I'm looking at the dates and going, what do I do? And so it's really easy. It has historically been very easy for me to keep my promises to other people, but not always. And I will not say that to be completely honest, I have not often kept my promises to myself for myself. And it was just at that point where I made the decision that I was going to keep it. And so I put in my notice and that's it. And so my official last day as an officer was December 28th, 2014. Fascinating. <laughs> Fascinating. And, and it's, that's really about five years ago or less. It, it seems that as you describe it, and I'm sure to you, that's ages ago, right? Some days it feels like forever ago, and sometimes it feels almost like yesterday. It feels like I'm still just starting out sometimes, and sometimes I feel like, oh, 
gosh, I've been doing this a while. <laughs> Does is is fear still one of the things that drives you? No. That that fear that you described before. Thank you for asking that. Um, I will say that fear was really, really hard. When I quit my job, of course, I was I was afraid of what would happen, but I had more of a knowing inside that whatever happened, I would get by. So it went. I went back to my knowingness of, you know, earlier in my life, I will survive. There's no question about that. And um, so that was very clear. And I knew that I was willing to do anything. Like I would flip burgers at McDonald's if I had to. I would eat ramen noodles all day, every day if I had to. Whatever I had to do, I would survive. And I couldn't worry about anything else. Um, but the real fear for me came when um, when I quit and I went, I got I to gotta make money. I got to figure out how to do this online business thing because I have skills. Like I was a coach and I have skills and stuff. So um, it was it was more of how do I figure out how to find clients and how do I make myself public after all these years of being a ghost and, you know, taking kids out of dangerous homes and um, fostering and, and doing crisis work and then working with murderers and rapists and people who, you know, who are angry and looking for people to harm. And I'm going, wait a minute, now I want to say, hey, I live here. And hey, <laughs> this is me. And hey, come find me. So that was the fear. That was a really, really hard thing. Um, and it took a few years, um, actually not even a few years, but it took a little, there was definitely a progression. Um, when I first started my podcast, even for example, you you couldn't find a picture of me. It, I used a cartoon for the first for 2015 and into 2016, um, I was very trepidatious about being online and being visible. And I had a lot of internal work to do on that. Um, and then I wound up going, okay, now I have to have pictures. Now I have to get out there more. Um, I was trying to hide behind my computer for a long time. Um, so, so then in 2016, I got, you know, a little bit a little bit more comfortable putting myself out there, although it didn't feel good. I did it anyways because I knew it needed to be done. And then um, in 2017, a little bit more. And now I'm um, actually about to go through a rebrand, a re which is why you found that my site is down yes, and um, we'll be changing the name of the podcast and everything. But there's just a lot of different stuff going on. So it's been an evolution. Right. Now, today, of course, I have fears. I have fears about things like like every other human being. But um, I'm not afraid of putting myself out there. I'm not afraid of um, somebody coming after me. I'm not afraid of these kinds of things anymore. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Okay. So, so what was the business? I mean, was it podcasting that you came to first or what was the business that you were building or did you, that you did build initially? Great question. So I had been a coach, um, I, for, for many, many years. And so I thought, well, I can, build my build back my coaching practice. It'll just, where are the people and how do I find them? And I'm living in this small town where I know nobody. So I'm going to figure it out online. Um, and so I started studying that and then it's like, okay, well, I need a website. All right, let me learn how to make a website. And then, okay, I need to do these webinar things because that's what I learned. And so, okay, let me do these webinar things. So I was just, just, I mean, spending probably 16 to 18 hours a day, every single day trying to learn 
What do I need to do to make things work? And I didn't know who to turn to. I didn't have any trusted advisors. I knew nobody in the field and I didn't even know how to figure out who the people I needed to know were. But I did come across um, a group of people just before I quit my job that I was following. And I thought they were the only ones in the world that were teaching this thing. And so I was following them and I invested in their program and it was absolutely the wrong fit for me. And they were absolutely the wrong people for me. Um, And it took me a little while to figure that out and to figure out there's other people out there who are not like them. And there's other programs and there's other mentors. And I just, I really didn't use the internet. I didn't watch TV. I was just kind of living this secluded hermit life. Um, So once I kind of became aware, then I started finding there's a a lot more of the people I was coming across were looking for me because I was desperate and they were making money off of me, but they weren't mm-hmm. actually teaching me. They didn't care about my results. They cared about selling me a dream and a promise and then not delivering. And I started noticing that and it was infuriating to me because I care about people. And I am the kind of person where if somebody, like I had a call with somebody the other day who was referred to me and I think he's amazing, but what I do is not what he needs right now. And so I told him, you know, I'm happy to continue the conversation. I'm happy to point you in the direction and that I can, if I can help introduce you to people that may be able to help you better, but we don't have to, like, he was still looking at, you know, hiring me. And I said, it's just not, I don't think it's a right fit at this time because what you need is this and that comes before what I do. So I've always been like that. And so I expect that from people just naturally. Why wouldn't I, right? We expect from others what we put out and what we value and what we believe in. And I was finding that there were a lot of people like me and in, quote, worse situations. I mean, everybody's, you know, everything's subjective and everybody's got their own stuff. But what I was finding was people were convinced who, who really, who had families and who were being sold promises, but they didn't even have the clarity of, of belief in themselves. I don't know if that makes sense, but it, Mm -hmm. it really pissed me off. It got me fired up. And so I decided to create something called a virtual summit in 2015. And, uh, I stopped looking to coach. I just cared about just serving. It was, I wasn't even looking at like, what is the next business? It was like, I I still wanted to coach, but I just wanted to help people that were in shoes. Like I was that were looking for answers and were getting, who were feeling ripped off, who were getting, uh, the feeling of being taken advantage of, and then we're beating their head against the wall, feeling like, okay, I can't leave the corporate world. I can't do this. I can't do that. I thought I could, but it's so easy and everybody else is doing it and I'm failing. And that's a horrible, horrible way for people to feel. And I learned that a lot of people feel, felt like that. So I, I wanted to create a free event that anybody in the world, regardless of income or anything, as long as they had the ability to get online, they could learn from brilliant, generous people. And so I sought out 30 experts on 30 different marketing strategies and asked if I could interview them and put put that content out in this, this summit format. And that um, that is what I did. And that's how I learned about podcasting. In fact, I interviewed a gentleman by the name of John Lee Dumas about um, 
you know, how to get started in podcasting. Everything was like specifically for the beginner. How do, so here's this thing called Twitter. What do, what can that do for me if I want to start finding clients, right? Because again, I, I wanted a coaching business and I wanted to attract the right people. So, okay, tell me how like I could use this. Like I know nothing about it and they, they would walk through, right? And so I did that with 30 different, um, 30 different marketing strategies. And from there, I got known very quickly as somebody who was providing value and somebody who was a connector and somebody who um, really did care about my tribe. And then from there, I started the podcast. Again, I was still looking just to coach. And um, until, I don't know, it was, I think, end of 2016, I believe. Yeah. By the end of 2016, I had been, I had been connecting so many people. I'd been teaching people everything I learned. Um, and I kept having people come to me and ask me to do it for them, to get them on podcasts and to do things for them, help them with a summit, stuff like that. And I kept saying no, no, no throughout 2016. And finally I said yes at the end. And that is how my business as it is today started, which is um, I have a done for you podcast publicity service where I help people get known um, via primarily via podcast guesting just because it's um, a, a tactic that it works for me and it works for many people that um, have a big message. And even if you don't have a lot of clarity, it's still about sharing who you are. Like we've been talking for almost 30 minutes, Henry, and I mean, I've been talking, I should say, <laughs> but you, you know, you've asked me things that, that are about my life, not about my business, not about how I make money, but about how I've gotten to this point. And I know there are listeners going, I get that. Oh my gosh, I was there. Holy heck. Okay. If she can do this, I can do this. And that's for me. Um, one of the most amazing things about podcast guesting, um, that's what I call it, podcast guesting when you're a guest on a podcast, um, is that you get to share the intimate details of your life with people that you wouldn't be able to do in another way. And people want to have connections with people. They're, they don't want to be sold to. They don't want to be pushed into something. They don't want to be buying something just to find out if it's worth it or not. They want to know who is the person that they're going to be dealing with. Yeah. I mean, podcasting, it just allows for such a level of intimacy that I don't know what other platform currently gives us that. Um, and of course it's growing. We'll talk more about that. I just want to go back a couple things. Thanks for sharing that story, that journey. Like you said, I think it's going to resonate with a lot of people. It fascinates me as well. This is Henry Lopez, and I want to take a moment to tell you about Ustas and a great free offer they have for you. Ustas Small Business Solutions specializes in website development and security and online marketing for small businesses. Do you know if your business website is performing well? Do you know if it's been updated for the new Google security requirements? Ustas is offering our listeners a free website audit. There is no obligation or commitment and no credit card required. All you need is a minute of your time to get a thorough report on the health and effectiveness of your website. To take advantage of this free website audit offer, please visit the show notes page for this episode 
at thehowabusiness.com or find Ustas online at ustas.com. That's double O-S-T-A-S, Ustas, the one-stop shop for startups and small businesses. You did that virtual summit that was free early on. How were you paying the bills? Was it through your coaching? How were you making income? <laughs> not, not very, not very smartly. Um, so the summit I did sell. Um, very, I I spent a lot more than I made. Let's say that. Um, so I did have packages that where you could buy the um, the summit recordings. Uh, after that, you know, when I started doing anything I was teaching, like I would do workshops and, and courses and things that people would buy. Um, but this was, you know, a few hundred dollars there, a few, few hundred dollars here, a couple thousand there. Um, it wasn't enough to pay the bills and this is the total wrong way to do things. So I do not advocate for this at all, (laughs) but you know, I, I busted my butt for a really long time and I built up really good credit and, and I had a lot of available credit and, um, I decided that that's how I was going to have to, uh, to live, you know? And so I, (laughs) I took a lot of risk, a lot, lot, lot of risk. And of course now in hindsight, the way and, and learning like, okay, no, what most people do is they start small and then they scale once they have something that's profitable. But I didn't know that. And all I knew was I had to get by. I had to figure it out and I had to get known fast. I had to build my reputation fast. I had to provide value fast. And I had to bring people to me because I'm also an introvert. And the last thing I want to do is go around chasing people down. And I don't like to, or I have not liked to sell historically. Um, it didn't feel good. And so um, I thought the, the way I need to do this is by by getting known fast. I don't want to pay dues. I don't want to work for years trying to build my reputation. So um, I also, you know, went for people like John Lee Dumas, went for people who had a lot of credibility, who were well-respected in their field. And my intention was to wow them, right? So I got... I, I made a lot of friends that had influence that were willing to um, promote me, who were willing to refer to me, who were willing to have me come in and speak to their mastermind groups, things like that. So it was really just putting out value, content, content value. And I've always believed that what you put out, you will receive in some way, shape or form, not tit for tat, but that when you put out quality um, when you put out energy and it's not to get something back, it's just to be generous, you receive generosity as well. And I definitely have had some incredible people in my life who um, I've met within these past few years who have supported me, who have referred business to me and things like that. So coaching, yes, um, there's definitely that, some info products, some membership stuff. And um yeah, it was just very piecemeal for a long time until I wound up getting clarity around what I offer today. Right. But but I, I think what you just shared a moment ago is I think at the heart of what we're talking about here with effective online messaging 
is you've always been someone who wanted to give, who wanted to help. You were happiest when you were doing that. You you derailed there for a little bit with the correction stuff. You've found it again, but you knew that it's about giving first, and then it comes back to you, as you articulated very clearly, providing value. And I think that's at the heart from what I'm hearing from you, from what I've learned from you, from what I've learned for others that I've had the pleasure of interviewing on my show is that that's one of the keys to successfully online promoting yourself, your stuff, whatever message it is that you're trying to convey effectively online. You have to give. People see very clearly through um, if it's just one way and they're looking for that, they're searching for that. Is that am I articulating that fairly I'm- clearly? Do you agree with that? Absolutely. I agree. Um, and I think it's, it's so unfortunate that people can't see it for themselves oftentimes when when they're like, okay, I know I have to give value. So how can I give value? I'm going to give value. But they're still holding things back. You know, I hear this mm-hmm. all the time. Well, wait a minute. You mean I should give away my whole book? I, I mean, I'm selling that. And it's like, yeah, you give it away in different in a different format. So you like to talk, you're doing an audio book. Great. So turn that into a podcast and just reformat it. So you do um, little excerpts, you know, two to five minute things and you create this series and, you know, there's all these different things you can do with the content you have. You create it once and, and people are so afraid. They hold on so tightly to their you know, to their intellectual property and to their ideas that, you know, just because somebody might take it, somebody might, you know, use it. And then what? Well, great. You know, there's billions of people out there. You don't have mm-hmm. to worry about it. And I think, do you think that comes from Nicole? Because we, we all, we all seem to have that and bring that some of us, maybe, maybe for you, it was obvious from day one, but do you think that comes from the corporate environment? Is it our is it our up? Where does that come from? Where we feel like we have to guard things, and I'm I'm guilty of that as well. Where we think we have to guard this stuff and only sell it, we can't give it away. Where, where does that come from? I think? seriously don't know, but I was guilty of that too because I was trying to follow the leader. Right? I didn't right, know what I was right. doing going into the online space. Yeah. That's what I was taught. You got to do this. You got to do this. You give this lead magnet and you tease this, and but don't ever give it. Oh, you're giving too much away. You got to hold back value. And this is the message of so many leaders. Um, well, quote, self, self-proclaimed leaders and people right. who really do have huge followings. And, um, and it's funny because, um, before we, started today, you had sent me um, some some sample questions and you had mentioned, you know, what is this people first thing? And I'll tell you, I am with this rebrand just going to get a lot more bold about my personal feelings on things. And it is that people are the most important thing. And for me, um, in the way I serve, I'm, I'm more concerned with how can I give without feeling um, like I'm being taken advantage of. And mm-hmm. you in that in that uh, podcast episode with that gentleman I mentioned earlier, he had a term, I wish I could remember it, but he was saying, um, he learned it from a book where it was about giving um, value, but knowing where to give the value and being able to um, to give value at a very low level, 
in that doesn't deplete you in a lot of ways. And so mm-hmm. I think that is so important and so few people do it. But but yeah, give it all away. Like it just it endears people. If they're people who are going to buy from you, they're still going to buy from you. If they're people they who are, are never yeah. going to buy for you from you, they're never going to buy from you. But yeah. now they know your message. I mean, I've had people who have literally stolen things from me, like mm-hmm. literally my emails, and I and I get something, and I go, um, that's <laughs> mine. Familiar. And then I, I had this one when I finally called her out, and she said, oh yeah, I really liked what you were writing to your guests. So I had my admin um, copy it. I hope I hope you find it flattering. And I'm like, no, I, I you know, I just want whatever. <laughs> like, if you're going to steal things, you're going to steal things. Well, then um, not too long ago, she wrote me. She said, oh, you know, I have uh, this contact and um, she's looking to be on podcasts. And of course, I thought of you. And it's like, OK. So even people that, you know, are never going to be your clients or customers, they may say, oh, wow, this is so good. And then, you know, one day, all of a sudden out of the blue, they're telling other people about you. Who knows? But really, who cares? I I just don't believe in putting my energy and concerns on what could go wrong. That was the life I was living when I was a correctional officer. It's like when you focus on what could happen negatively, then you're you're taking away from the energy of just doing good stuff and cool stuff and having fun and i believe i just believe that when when we do things that are in li- in alignment with who we are things work out i love that Love that. All right, we'll take a bit of a right turn. You've interviewed lots of highly successful as you call them rock stars uh, in your current iteration of the podcast. What are the, some of the common characteristics that have stood out of those successful people? I'm sure you're, you're pretty good at listening for those things, not just listening, but but kind of putting that together. What are some common things that stand out about successful entrepreneurs? Definitely what you said, a generosity above and beyond all else. Now, success is subjective. Yes. So there are a lot of, quote, successful people out there who I would never interview on my show because our values are just misaligned. Doesn't mean they're not successful. They're hugely successful. But for me, what I've gotten clear on is that the people I want to interview on my show are people who have similar um, similar values and similar um, feelings about what success is to me and to my audience because my audience resonates with me. And just as a, a little side note tip, um, you know, one of the things that I teach my clients and students when they decide I want to be on podcasts, I want to be seen, I want to be heard, um, is that most podcast guests go on shows thinking that they are the the star, you know, they're going on and, and they're the star of the show and the host is so lucky to have them. But that's not the way it is at all. With podcasts, the host is the star and you're the supporting act. And so it's the host's audience that they've cultivated and curated and people fall in love with the host. That's why they tune in, not because of the guest generally. Um, and so, yeah, I think just... People who show up and give value and are not looking at, okay, I'm going to be on, you know, on these podcasts or on these things because it's going to get me this 
outcome and I need X number of opt-ins. And so this kind of podcast is fine and this kind of podcast isn't. And, um, or the other angle is just get out there everywhere. Just go everywhere. It doesn't matter because somebody's going to hear your message. That kind of thinking is misaligned with my belief system because I believe that it's better to put the time in like what you do. It's amazing. The fact that you take the time and put the energy into researching each one of your guests, you listen to things they've done, you've looked into who they are, and you're prepared. And it's like, that's also what should be expected of of guests. And there's very few people like you. There's very few people that do this. And so the people that do do this, the people that do value the other person on the other end, whether it's a um, a student or somebody walking down the street or um, a guest or a host or whatever it is, when you actually take the time to care about the person, um, I think it's just so important. And so for me, that's that people first, that generosity, that um, giving without expectation. These are central themes of the successful people, the most successful people, in my opinion, um, that I've interviewed on my show. Yeah, I would concur with that. That's been my experience as well. Uh, along the lines of you just touched on what how not to do it is to want to be everywhere from a certainly from a podcast guesting perspective just more generally from an mm-hmm. online marketing perspective, what do you see that solopreneurs and small business owners often get wrong? Thank you. Yeah. Same thing. You know, people are out there telling you, you got to be everywhere. Oh, here's this thing called, what was it? Periscope and Blab and Meerkat <laughs> and all these different things. You got to be on this. You got to do this. And like the right. herd follows and mm-hmm. we cannot be everywhere. We are spreading ourselves too thin when you, you're doing a little bit of a lot. And it's when you're putting out content, this is another thing that just drives me nuts. When you're just putting out content everywhere, you're like a billboard. How many billboards do you really pay attention to driving down the highway? How many billboards do you really act on? Okay. I know that if I'm in an accident, I can call seven or whatever it is. I probably, you know, eight, whatever it is, seven, seven. So, but other than that, like, I don't know what billboards I pass. And that's who you are when you're showing up in that way to try and be everywhere and just putting out content. I say, engage, figure out where your people are, the people who you love to work with the most and the people who have similar values and who are going to appreciate you and be your best, best clients and customers, figure out where they're spending time, figure out how you enjoy sharing the most. You don't have to write a newsletter if that's not your thing. You don't have to blog. You don't have to podcast. You don't have to do video. There's nothing you have to do if it doesn't feel good for you. So you you just look at holistically creating a strategy around what do you enjoy doing in terms of creating content and putting it out there where you just spend time. How do you enjoy engaging with your people and where are they? Mm. And and I guarantee there's plenty of them out there. So they may be doing all of the things that you don't want to do. But if you go and look at what you do want to do, I'm sure you'll find them there too. So when you find that way that you want to communicate 
value when you find the way that they want to receive and engage with you on value and you find the platform, well, then that's the trifecta. And you go there and you go deep there. And once you've got that so dialed in, if you want to add a little another thing, like maybe your thing is LinkedIn. Maybe your people are on LinkedIn. Go deep on LinkedIn. Spend that time on LinkedIn. Don't spend, a, you know, if you have five hours a week, don't don't spend it on five different things. Spend the majority of it on one thing where you're getting results. And it takes time to get results. And so another thing I see folks doing is they, they quote, try something for a short time. They don't get the results they want, and then they just give up or go on to something else. Well, there's this expression, three feet from gold from Napoleon Hill. And you may be three feet from gold and you just aren't willing to do it anymore because it, it hasn't churned out what you want. You have to be able to assess that and say, is it really time to throw in the towel and give up and do something else? Or have I made some momentum? Am I getting closer? It, would it be worth just putting another, you know, four to six weeks in on this or something like that? Yeah. I mean, and part of the reason we give up is, again, we have that tendency for immediate results and it doesn't work that way. But I love all of those tips. I agree completely with that. And I see that all the times with with my uh, coaching clients. So people want to be everywhere and they don't really know why just mm -hmm. because others are there. Um, but how do you then, and so I agree with all of that. However, what do you say to the person that says, oh, but podcast guesting, I just don't, I don't have a good voice. I'm shy. I'm introverted. I would never do that. What do you say and how do you help that person? I say then don't. Let's figure out what you do enjoy, where you feel awesome, where, where you feel like you shine. And let's go figure out some some marketing ideas and, and, and your plan around that. It is all about what is keeping you shining, right? Where's your zone of genius? What lights you up? How do you best express your genius to other people where they are magnetized and cannot wait to get more from you? For most people, it's not podcast guesting. And this is one of the things people will come to me and say, okay, I want to be on all these shows. And it's like, okay, why? Well, because. It's like, well, because isn't a complete answer. We got to figure out. And is it going to be something that you're resistant to and that you're doing because it's because it works? Because it doesn't work if you don't enjoy it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think anybody who who tells you this is the way to do it, you got to do this or you're missing the boat I would, I'd probably tune them out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. But how do you reconcile that with, for example, what you've shared so far on the progress you've made with feeling comfortable, putting yourself out there, putting your face out there, you're about to go through another evolution. And really the question I want to ask is what can you share there tip wise as to how you have gotten through that and overcome some of those fears, reservations, whatever you might call it. It, it goes back to the why. It, it's the what and the why. What do you want to accomplish? How, and then looking at what are the different paths to get there? This is, you know, in the military, there's a term, it's a, it goes, prior planning prevents piss poor performance. When you mm -hmm. take the time to do your due diligence, whether it is as a host like you, or you plan for your podcast guest, or whether it's, you know, even figuring out your strategy, anything you do, put more time into the planning and 
I mean, you need to execute. I don't want people to get stuck in the, oh, okay, put more time in the planning. The people who are planning forever and ever and ever, I'm not talking to you. The people who really know I am doing this and I am ready for it, you got to look at your at the different avenues that you can uh, meet your goals. It doesn't have to be one way. So figure out the path that is going to be the most enjoyable for you and the how you get through it is knowing what that priority is. So when you value something, you know, more than the fear, you'll, you'll get through the fear. I don't, I don't know if there's any other way I can explain it right now, but for mm-hmm. me, having a life that feels good, like that we're, I, we have a finite period of time. I don't want to spend a day miserable. Yes, there are challenges and we all have things that we go through, but for the vast majority of my life, I want to be happy. I want to be laughing. I want to be enjoying the people I interact with and the things that I'm doing. And so to put myself into a situation where I'm miserable is not something I want to do. And even if that means, you know, I've tried so many times, oh, you know, I hear the things like, okay, I gotta, I gotta do a newsletter. I gotta do it. I gotta do it. And it's like, it comes, nobody, nobody responds to it. Maybe because I don't stay with it. Maybe because I just don't care about it um, because it's exhausting. Or or like I struggle sometimes you feel sometimes I I don't, I don't know yet maybe how to deliver value through that medium. So I'm forced if I do it. Yeah. Don't force it. Don't force it. Because I think when we do something um, and we get results, then we're more inclined to try something else new, right? And so maybe Mm -hmm. the newsletter is the way to go, but it's just not today. Maybe podcast guesting is the way to go, but not today. And so I think you have to check in. For me, I check in with myself all the time and I may have an idea. I'm like, okay, we're going to go with this. And I start working on it. And it's like, I just can't get it done. And I can't explain it, but there's constantly something needing my attention or some kind of barrier break. And rather than getting frustrated and trying to push through, I just try and honor it. And I'm like, okay, let me back off this for a second. And every time, Henry, every time when I when I do and it's the right thing, I get this crazy renewed inspiration where somebody comes into my life that adds some information that I didn't have before that makes what I was going to do so much more powerful. And then I can churn it out. So just know yeah really what you care about, what you're willing to go after. And it's, if you're really willing to go after it, there are no excuses. There's nothing that's going to stop you. If you're really committed, then you'll, you'll get it done and you'll find a way. And if you're not really committed, then you won't. Love that. Agree completely. All right, Nicole, tell us, uh, we've touched on it, but summarize for us the services, the programs that you currently offer today to your clients. Yeah. So my main thing is that I have a full service podcast publicity agency and we get folks out there. So we don't teach you how to do it yourself. We just, we're the experts. We get to know you. We ask all the questions and then we find where your ideal buyers are. We get you booked on those shows so that you can connect with them. Um, I also do have 
you know, I've got in August coming up, I've got a one day workshop for folks who are more in the, I want to do it myself, but I want your guidance. So I do do, um, workshops where I walk people through things. I do do VIP days where we build out strategy that oftentimes has nothing to do with podcast guesting. So um, I work with people very high touch, very um, either I do retreats as well. So small group or, um, or one-on-one. So yeah, that's what I do. I just, um, it's right now very custom, very high touch. And, uh, and I work with people who, are my people. And that's the funny thing to explain right now. Cause you got to mm-hmm. say, okay, I work pe- with people who I work with people <laughs> who think I am the cat's pajamas and who are up to really cool stuff that I'm excited to support. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Thank you for sharing that. All right. Uh, we'll start to wrap it up here. You know, I'm, I love books. Is there a book that you would recommend? Yes. So earlier I talked about that I used to not like to sell. Now I love it because I really found um, some support in being able to translate that I'm not selling, I'm serving. And it's an invitation to work with me. And I um, attribute a lot of that growth in that way to The Perfect Close by James Muir. Wonderful. We'll have a link to that in the show notes page for this episode at thehowofbusiness.com. Thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll wrap it up with these last two questions. What's one thing, Nicole, that you want us to take away from this conversation? That there's no one right way to do it, to do anything. You have to be true to yourself. So get to know what you want, really, really want, and are going to commit to having, and you'll get there. Just stay the course. And where would you like us to find you online? The best place to go is interviewsthatconvert.com. Right now, the site is down, but there are still buttons on there for you to um, contact me directly, either by email or on social. And once the new site is done, then you'll be able to find all the things there too. So interviewsthatconvert.com. Perfect. And we'll have that link as well on the show notes page at thehowofbusiness.com. Nicole, thanks for indulging my questions. This come, we could go on for another hour, but uh, <laughs> need to respect your time. Thank, thanks for this great conversation. Lots of great insights. Thanks for sharing your story. Uh, it was inspirational to me. I know it will be to our listeners as well. So thanks for being with us today. Henry, thank you so much for the opportunity. Folks, this is Henry Lopez. You've been listening to another episode of The How of Business. My guest again today was Nicole Holland. We release new episodes every Monday morning, and you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and at our website, thehowofbusiness.com. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.